the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time once again for another look in the God's Infallible Book, and I want to welcome you to another broadcast of the Riches of Grace. It's my privilege to be your Bible teacher and host each week as we meet right here at this time to look into the pages of the Word of God. My name is Richard Jordan, and uh, I like to, to take the opportunity to welcome you. Now, this program is brought to you by Christian people that believe the Bible will be the Word of God and who appreciate its power and authority. And we, we have a, a goal in our, in our radio ministry, and that is to help you to understand and enjoy the Bible. This is why, that's why this is a Bible study program. We're not here just to talk to talk to you about um, uh, current issues. We're not here to talk to you about pop psychology and how to have a, you know, how how to how to keep your kids in line when you're trying to go through life. I, I want to try to. I, I, my my goal is to help you to understand God's word, because God's word will give you ability to look around the culture around you and figure out what to do. God's word will give you the instructions about how to raise your children. God's word is the place where God's revelation, God's truth to you, comes into your life. And it works effectually in you that believe. Uh, the eunuch asked Philip when he said, understand this, what thou readest. He said, how can I if I, ha- I have no man to, to, to guide me? Uh, teaching the Word of God is, the, is the, the privilege of guiding people in an understanding of God's Word. I don't want you just to know the contents. I want you to understand how to, how to grasp God's Word for yourself so that you don't need some man to guide you. You can study your own self, get the information out of the Word of God, go as it were to the cookie jar, and feed yourself. That's our goal. And that's why this is a Bible study program. And that's why we try to talk to you about topics that are of importance to Bible study. Sometimes uh, the things we talk about might sound a little strange to to, to a lot of folks' ears. Um, you, uh, you need to hear it if it sounds strange to you. Because a lot of times things were, that are in the Scripture you don't hear, and then when you hear what the—people have an idea the Bible teaches something. They presume it teaches something. Then when they hear what it actually teaches, what it actually says, uh, then they're shocked. And that, that's an interesting phenomenon. I've seen that through the years many times. Someone actually sees what it says. I had a man just recently in a Bible conference— Came and said, "Look, look at that verse, brother. You see what that says?" I said, "Yes, sir. I know what it says. <laughs> if you remember last night, I taught what it said." He said, "I, I always thought, I thought it was this. And look at that. That verse is completely opposite of what I thought." I said, "Well, which one do you go by? What you thought or what the verse said?" And uh, he's wise enough to say, "Well, I, I should go by what the verse says." That attitude of 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 thinking the Bible teaches something, but not you know have a presumption that it's going to agree with you because it wouldn't want to be wrong. Has, has eaten away like a cancer at, at the heart and the soul of the church. One of the great blunders of evangelical fundamentalism over the past uh, five, six decades, first it was fundamentalist, then evangelical fundamentalist, and now fundamentalists are gone, and there they were neo-evangelical, new evangelical, and now they're just evangelical. And each step, you get further into... Uh, you know, just milk toast, weak kind of, of Christianity. You've got 
leaders of evangelical Christianity today who have uh, uh, a shoestring for a backbone and french fries tied on for ribs, as Bob Jones would have said. They don't really have the conviction. You go back 50, 75 years in our country and lost people, unsaved men and women, 75 years ago, had more convictions about life and godliness and right and wrong than the average evangelical believer does today. Now, when I say that, I I don't say that happily, but I say it nonetheless. And the fundamental blunder, man comes to our church, he says, I, I passed, I, I, I'm a counselor, and I counsel pastors, and I counsel churches, and, and he, he talks about statistics about for every uh, three or 4,000 churches that are started, evangelical churches are started, 7,000 churches close up, and all this, and, he, and we got to, I said, well, do you have an idea about why that is? And he's got all, you know, people have all these um, uh, different this idea and that idea, and one of the cardinal things that you'll read in almost every piece of literature that you read about how to how to fix the church is they they point to the very thing that is the problem. They'll always say, "Let's go back to the pattern of Pentecost. Let's go back to Acts two, and let's rediscover the pattern of the early church." Listen, let me tell you why Pentecost isn't, doesn't work. I can tell you straight out, without any fear of any successful contradiction, I know people will disagree with me, but I'm talking about successfully in the Scripture contradicting what I say, that trying to go back to Pentecost is the fundamental problem in evangelical Bible-believing, Bible-professing, maybe I should say, Christendom, today. Let me talk to you about why Pentecost doesn't work, why Pentecost isn't us, why the church, the body of Christ that we're a part of today, did not find its beginning on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. Can I tell you that's the great blunder of evangelicalism? When you get that that issue wrong and you think that Pentecost is the pattern for you and for your ministry, then you just get you, then you just wind up being wrong about everything. You wind up being wrong about the gospel. And you don't have a clear, simple gospel message to preach. If you're going to go by Pentecost, while you're going to wind up having to say, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then two verse later, you have to say, save yourselves. <laughs> now, you talk about confusion. You want to know why there's such confusion about just how to have your sins forgiven and go to heaven when you die in evangelicalism today? Well, just go read Acts chapter 2, verse 38, 39, and 40 and see if it doesn't confuse you. You say, you you try to make Pentecost your pattern? The program, you'll be wrong about the program. You'll be wrong about the mission that the church needs to follow. What is it that we're about? What's the program that we're to follow? What's the commission that God has given us? What has he sent us to do? Well, if you're trying to follow Pentecost, you have no idea what it's about. 
You don't know anything about your own personal identity as a member of the church, the body of Christ, because you can't find yourself on the day of Pentecost. You won't understand what prayer is and how it functions, because you can't find how prayer functions in the dispensation of grace at Pentecost. You won't know what your expectation. What do you think God's going to do when you pray? What do you think the future holds in store for you? Well, if you're going by the instructions on the day of Pentecost, you won't have any idea what it is God's doing with you as a member of the body. You're wrong about everything because you thought it all started at Pentecost. Let me tell you, listen, I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm trying to be as nice as I can be. <laughs> But I want to tell you straight out, I want to put it waist high right across the plate, slow enough that you can you can count the, the, the laces on the ball as it goes by so you can whack it right out of the park. My granddaughter is a, uh, she pitches in a women's league, in a girls' league, fast pitch. And she's got a, a fast ball that's like a blue darter. She's got a drop ball that just dropped right out from under you, can't hit it. Then she's got a change-up that all of a sudden just kind, of, just kind of hangs in the air as it goes by. <laughs> and that's the one people swing at three times before it gets there. I want to throw you just a real slow ball that you can't hit, you can't miss. Pentecost in the Bible was not a secret. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, Pentecost was not a secret. What happened on the day of Pentecost was not a new beginning of a new program. Somebody says, well, something new began on the day of Pentecost, Brother Rick. Don't you know that? And I know the verse that you'd use if you had a verse. I I usually have to give people their own verses. I have never had one person in over, well, almost 50 years of ministry. You realize I've been preaching for uh, almost... 50, almost five decades. And I've been preaching what I'm talking to you about today for almost five decades. I have yet to have one Bible student, one preacher, one seminary professor, I've talked to all of them about these issues, that would be, that believe that Pentecost was the birthday or the beginning of the church, the body of Christ. I've yet to have one of them give me a verse of Scripture that uses the word beginning in connection with Pentecost, I have to give it to you. It's in, it's in Acts chapter 11, verse 15. I don't know why people don't use this verse. It's a good verse. The problem is it doesn't teach what they want it to teach. <laughs> I know why they don't use it. Acts 11, verse 15, Peter is trying to explain to the Jerusalem, the leaders of the Jerusalem church, why he'd gone and preached to Cornelius. They didn't think he should go to preach to Cornelius. In fact, Peter didn't think he should go to preach to Cornelius because Peter understood it wasn't law, it wasn't the order. He said, it's not lawful for me to do this. And the Lord said to him, hey, dude, I'm God. You're a man. You're my servant. I'm God. You go do what I tell you. And if I want to change the, the rules, I'm the one that does that. And so Peter says, well, you know, who am I to withstand God? He went and did it. Because God changed the pro was changing the program in the book of Acts. When you begin in the book of Acts, it's different. Have you ever thought about that? Why is it that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking as the Spirit gave him utterance, why is it that Peter wouldn't want to go to the Gentiles, to Cornelius? 
Well, it wasn't because he was in rebellion. It wasn't because he was some racial animus. I've actually heard preachers in evangelical pulpits say Pete had a, had a racial problem. He didn't have a racial problem. He knew exactly what the program was. He was going exactly by what God said. Here's a man being led by the Spirit of God. No, the reason Peter didn't go to Cornelius is because the order in which he was, the program he was working under said he had to first go to Israel. And it had to go to Israel first. And it was only through Israel that salvation would go to the Gentiles. And when he said, it's not lawful for me, he said, I've got an order. I'm to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the world. And we're still in Jerusalem. We're not, we, we, it's not time to go there, Lord. And the Lord said, well, I'm changing things. So Peter went, and he discovered things were changed. Then he goes back to Jerusalem in Acts 11, and he's got to explain to them what happened. And so he does. He says uh, in Acts eleven fifteen, as it, as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them. Now, that's pretty obvious that God was in it. The Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. And somebody says, well, see there, Brother Rick, Pentecost was the beginning, the new beginning. But you see, that's because you haven't thought about what you're saying. <laughs> Pentecost was not the, a, a new program. Pentecost, rather, was the next significant step in the prophetic program. If you look there in Acts chapter 2, verse number 16, Stephen, I'm sorry, Peter, explaining the coming of the Holy Spirit, being poured on them, and, and them being filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, he explains it in Acts 2.16, but this is that, which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, if you start in verse 14, maybe you get the context. Acts 2.14, Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said, You men of Judea, and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. They saw them all talking in tongues, speaking in tongues, and the, uh, preaching in, the langu- in, in all these different languages, and they thought they were just, you know, they'd been hitting hooch early in the morning. And Peter said, this is that. What's going on here? This tongue talking, this, this, this manifestation of the Spirit of God. This is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass... In the last days, notice these are not the first days of anything. These are the last days. This is the concluding days of a program that's been going on since the time God put man on the earth. God said, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. What's happening on the day of Pentecost is exactly what Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and following said would happen. If you come over to Acts chapter 3, verse 18. Those things which God hath showed by the mouth of all the holy prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before is preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, listen, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. What's going on on the day of Pentecost was nothing new. It was not a secret. It was simply the next step in, a, in the pr- program of prophecy, the next step in fulfilling. Now, it was a new step in an old program. Hebrews chapter number 2, 
And by the way, listen at this, Colossians chapter 1, verse 25. Paul, that other apostle, the one that wasn't one of the twelve, that wasn't there on the day of Pentecost, he said, I'm made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest. Paul was preaching a message that was hidden. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 5, he says, which that that uh, uh, it, it was it was hidden, and not 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 just simply hidden, but it was kept secret, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. Paul said, "What I'm preaching, Joel didn't know about. It was hidden from Joel, and Joel didn't write about it in Joel chapter two. Paul was preaching Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. But now, through his ministry, Christ revealed it to him from heaven. Now you have that information. Peter's preaching that which has been spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began. Joel knew about it, prophesied about it, spoke specifically about it, and says this is what is going on in the day of Pentecost. It's prophecy. It's the next step in the fulfillment of the prophetic program. Paul said what's going on today in the church, the body of Christ, was a secret. Joel didn't know anything about it. Now, if God the Holy Spirit knew what he was doing on the day of Pentecost, when I say if, there's no doubt in my mind he did. Since God the Holy Spirit knew what he was doing on the day of Pentecost, and since Peter, speak, Peter speaking as the Spirit gave him utterance, tells us that what he was doing on the day of Pentecost was, was fulfilling the prophecy that Joel wrote in Joel 2, verse 28. It was that which is spoken by by Joel. And what God is doing today in the dispensation of grace forming the church, the body of Christ, was not made known to Joel, and Joel did not know about it. Then the two things are not the same. And you can see that. And you can understand that. And you can grasp that. Now, that might rub your religion wrong. But it doesn't change the fact that you can see what those verses are saying. Now, you might say, well, Brother Rick, I just don't like that. Well, I don't care. It's okay. You don't have to like it. I'm not asking you to like it. I'm just telling you that's what it says. If you want a verse of Scripture that either, I mean, you don't, there's not a way around it. They're just, they're just too clear. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 3. Listen. How should we escape if we neglect so great salvation? You've heard preachers preach that part of that verse all your life, hadn't you? I've heard some great gospel messages preached off of that verse as a text. But what they do is they take the text and depart far hence because they don't, they don't quote the verse, just that part of it. When you take a text like that and make a pretext out of it, you wind up telling things that aren't true. Listen to this, Hebrews 2, 3. How shall we escape if we neglect, and who's the we? Well, it's Hebrews. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord? Now, when was that? Well, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John preaching Jesus Christ, speaking this message about the gospel of the kingdom. And was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Now, who's that? Well, that's Peter and the, little, and, and the apostles. God also bearing them witness with signs and wonders and divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his will. Now, when was that? 
where the Holy Spirit is given on the day of Pentecost. So what's going on on the day of Pentecost is God bearing witness with the apostles and the little flock of the thing, and they are confirming the things that Jesus taught in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Let me read it to you again. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God bearing them witness with signs, wonders, and divers uh, miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost? That's the book of Acts. So Hebrews 2, verse 3 and 4, written by God the Holy Spirit, just like God was speaking through Peter, Peter speaking as the Spirit gave him utterance, and he said, God the Holy Spirit said, this is what I said in Joel. So Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, writing by inspiration, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, what they are confirming to you in the early Acts period is what Jesus taught them to tell you back in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He prepared them to function in his absence. I say to you again, nothing new. Pentecost was not a secret. <laughs> the church, the body of Christ today, is a secret. They are not the same. By the way, somebody says, well, Brother Rick, maybe the body of Christ was back at Pentecost. It was there, but it just wasn't revealed. Well, did you ever read Amos chapter 3, verse number 7? where God says to Israel, Surely the Lord God will do nothing but he reveal his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Now, have you got God the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost revealing what he's doing to his servants, the prophets? And if he had been doing a secret program, Amos 3 verse 7 says he would have revealed it to them. For you to think that God was doing something at Pentecost, that he, he was saying he's doing one thing and he was really doing something else, well, let God be true and every man a liar on that point. So my point to you to start with, if you want, if you want to figure out what the problem in evangelicalism today, quit worrying about politics. Quit worrying about what denomination says this or that and what denominational practice you like or you don't like. Quit worrying about sin in the camp. Quit worrying about folks compromising with the government. You need to get back in your Bible and figure out who you are and what you're supposed to be doing as a member of the church, the body of Christ. And the great blunder is to think that who you are and what you're doing is an evidence on the pages of Scripture at Pentecost. Because Pentecost is not the secret program, it's the prophetic program. It's that which is spoken, it's a continuation of that which is spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began. What God's doing today in the body, dispensation of grace as he forms the body of Christ is the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. That's the ministry the Lord Jesus Christ from heaven gave to and through the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And that's what you find in Paul's epistles. Now, I'm going to continue with this. You know, you say, oh, Brother Rick, I've already had enough. No, you hadn't. We're only scratching the surface. Because the more you, you delve into what's going on the day of Pentecost, the more you see the futility 
of trying to be somebody God didn't make you. You've never been big enough a day in your life, dude, to make God do something he isn't doing. But when you relax and you see who God has made you in Christ Jesus and what God is doing today, you'll see the Word of God work effectually in you that believe. You'll be strengthened with his, by His Spirit in your inner man with the exceeding greatness and the excellency of the power of His Word. I look at the clock, and I've got to go. I only have just a few seconds before the time's up. Let me offer you a free Bible study that'll help you to go through this information for yourself. I don't want you to, I mean, don't take it from me, search and see. The Bible study resource is is uh, entitled, Why Pentecost Isn't Us. And there are seven specific reasons why we are not involved in what happened on the day of Pentecost. Our ministry is found over in Paul's epistles. It's important to understand what Pentecost was and what it will be. Why Pentecost isn't us. You call me here, 888-535-2300. That's 888-535-2300. And I'll say that you get a free copy of this Bible study resource, Why Pentecost Isn't Us. That number again is 888-535-2300. That's 888-535-2300. You can also look us up on the Internet at graceimpact.org, graceimpact.org. That's how you can check us out. You can uh, see who we are, what we're about. And most importantly, you can access a, a host of free Bible study material designed to help you understand and enjoy the Bible. That's graceimpact.org. And by the way, you can access archives of this broadcast, of our daily Bible Time radio broadcast, as well as our weekly television program, Forgotten Truths, on the website. It's all there. All of this, along with written Bible studies, conference messages, everything is designed to help you to understand and enjoy the Bible. There's a lot of goodies uh, to help you at graceimpact.org. One thing when you're at the website you might look at is the information about Grace School of the Bible. That's our three-year Bible Institute program. If you've ever if you've ever desired to really genuinely be a serious student of the Word of God, if you want to be a perfected saint who can do the work of the ministry, not just a 90-day wonder, not just somebody that gets plugged into a job and they don't know what they're all about, but to have the Word of God work effectually in you because it's gotten, a, it's, it's gotten that, that, uh, uh, that you've got that edification process, that perfecting process of the Word done in your heart. If that's where your your desire is, well, Grace School of the Bible is something you ought to consider because it was designed just with you in mind. It's available on an extension basis, first of all. You don't have to come to us. We'll send the school to you, and you can, you can take the school in the con- context of your own scheduling demands, your own family, your own life, through the use of video. The key to the school, however, is not the delivery system. The key to the school is that the curriculum in the school is based on the design set forth by the Apostle Paul for the, for the perfecting, for the maturing uh, of, of a believer. If a perfected saint is to do the work of the ministry, then you need to be a perfected saint. You're not going to become a perfected saint by being a 90-day wonder. You're not going to become a perfected saint by being 
trained in the denominational and religious system that uh, that, that men have developed. You need to follow the divine design set forth in Paul's epistles. And the Curriculum Grace School of the Bible uniquely follows that design. Check it out, graceimpact.org. And my friend, can I tell you, if you're still not sure that you have eternal life as a present possession, that all of your sins are forgiven, if you're not confident of that, absolutely sure of that, why don't you call the call our number, 888-535-2300, and tell the folks that answer the phone that you need to know for sure. There's some folks that will sit with an open Bible and share with you the, the wonderful message of God's wonderful grace so that you can be confident that all of your sins are forgiven, that you have eternal life as a present possession. Everything starts right there in the Christian life. 888-535-2300. That's the number to call for information. Thanks for being with us today. It's always a joy to have you fellowship with us as we're here. Hope you're making it a habit to be with us each week. Tell, tell a friend about the, our, our study together and get them listening in with you, will you? And until we meet this same time next week right here, Maranatha. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.